0: Nine foot home eight oh far for yourself cold one. My name is Chris. His name is Craig. This is Bucks in the Basement. Uh, the podcast for fans, by fans, and 30 minutes of Pirates talk. All right, there's a lot we can get into. Happy trails the Cole Tucker. He's on his way to Arizona. Arizona Diamondbacks pretty much picking up everybody's garbage right now. They and, and there's no rhyme or reason for it because you get a young piece of garbage. And I say that in the nicest way. He's a human being. He's got a beautiful girlfriend who I saw in the MTV Music Awards or Movie Awards, whichever ones those were, that were just on. And she wore like 12 different outfits, and she was gorgeous in all of them. And that may be the best thing about Cole Tucker is Vanessa Hutchins. But they're gone, off to Arizona, young prospect who didn't pan out. They also grabbed up Dallas Keuchel, who was DFA'd, who's an old pitcher, who hasn't been able to figure it out in two years. So the Diamondbacks are grabbing everybody's stuff. Like, if you're loose in the ether, the Diamondbacks are grabbing you. It sounds a lot like the Pirates, doesn't it? It's exactly what the Pirates are doing. And I'm kind of
1: surprised by it, but not surprised by it. Cole Tucker going back home, you know, Phoenix, Arizona native. I uh, Talked to Jason Mackey. He was saying, you know, he's one of the big Diamondback fans until you know, the past eight years with the Pirates. So going back there and, you know, change of scenery, I don't know, what whatever it may be, we saw this coming, you know, a while ago, and and we're okay with it. I mean, you gave the guy every shot you could. He had 25 strikeouts and no walks this season. He went down to AAA and was hitting strictly left-handed and, and still just wasn't putting it together, so... I mean, good for him. Like, I, I never hated the guy. I, I was always – it was more of a frustration of him wanting him to do better because he did have, like, such a great personality. Would have been so good for the fans. I mean, was great with everybody, the media. And so it's like one of those guys that it's like if he's a good a baseball player and he's – you know, it gets the Pirates, you know, out there and people coming into the stands and it gets the Pirates team out there as – being somebody who has, you know, a fun player on their team, but, dude, just, just not good at baseball. Not and, good. And the Keiko, Keiko thing, like, I mean, why not? He, he, he was terrible for the White Sox, but as Arizona, it's just like a minor league deal. So that's where, like, when people get upset with what the Pirates are doing, but then other teams are doing it as well, I can't get as upset for the Pirates for taking a stab at Yu Chang, a guy that... Ben Charrington has been looking at for a few years or the people he knows have been looking at for a few years or Josh Van Meter, who before he broke his finger started hitting a little bit better. Like if you want to take stabs at these guys, as long as they're not technically blocking anybody, I'm fine
0: with it. Yeah. Well, I think that's the point that I'm trying to make is that we were done with Cole Tucker and, and the White Sox were done with Dallas Keichel. and there go the Diamondbacks. They grab them both and the Pirates grab other people's trash. You know, one man's trash is another man's treasure. And that's what happens when your team isn't very good. The hope is, though, that the team is getting better. I I was looking today at the Pirates stats, and I was impressed by the fact, I I looked at OPS+, plus because what that does is that compares your hitters to everybody else in baseball. 100 means you're at the average for Major League Baseball, okay? And your OPS, of course, is your slugging and your on-base percentage added up. So it's indicating you get on base and you get extra base hits and you produce runs. It's just one of those tools. There's all kinds of other interesting ones like weighted runs created and everything like that. But OPS plus is like a really simple one you can find pretty much anywhere. Uh, and, and it's measuring your your players, your hitters OPS versus everybody else's. So in a down year for offense, let's say that the average last year was like a 720 OPS. But the average for Major League Baseball is down a little bit this year. And this is how you can kind of judge your players, because I think everybody is seeing this this offensive dip, especially early on in the season. The the Pirates have a couple guys, several of them now, sitting above the 100 level, meaning they're above average hitters. Cabrian Hayes with a 120 OPS plus. Michael Chavis with a 122. In his short amount of time, Tucapita Marcano has a 157 OPS plus. Uh, Ben Gamble, before he goes to the IL 110, a 118 from Vogelbeck, a 103 from Zewinski, and even Brian Reynolds with this terrible start with a 101, which tells me that he will get it together. He's going to be one of these guys that second half of the season, I think is going to really bust out. I know he's frustrating people, but there are some hitters and, and that's a, that's a positive because there's been times where I've looked at that and the pirates might have one guy that's over a hundred. That's how brutal it's been over the last couple of years, Craig.
1: Yeah, and it's it's pretty much, you know, it was last year, it was Brian Reynolds and, and maybe a guy or two, like, bumping up and down, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's nice to see, and especially from, you know, like a Jack Sawinski. It, it, the kid was struggling. He was hitting, I think it was like a buck 80, had like one home run, and kind of just got to stay in there, and even last time we talked, which was a little while ago, because You know, we took the the Memorial Day to do a little bit of minor leagues. He had hit a home run against the Cubs. We thought it was, like, really cool because it was, like, in Chicago. But he's still kind of stuck with that. And to see him kind of actually push back against Major League pitching, that's kind of promising. Uh, Tucapito Marcano, another one where, you know, he's not one of the Pirates' top prospects. But, you know... Charrington has shown that some of those guys he will bump up from uh, A to the big leagues. Tucapito Marcano, people will forget, you know, made the, uh, the Padres roster, maybe a little bit due to injuries, but had made the Padres roster, you know, out of spring training last year. So I know a lot of people, you know, described him as you know, Adam Frazier light. Well, if you get that guy in there for a little bit and he, kind of hits a hot streak and stuff and you're playing him at the right times, not a bad player to have. So that's the kind of things I like to see. Obviously Cabrian Hayes, you know, showing a little bit of a little bit more power recently. Um has always had the exit velocity this year, but just kind of wasn't getting that little bit of launch angle. He's just he's just performing well. I saw somewhere that he was also leading uh, most I think almost every infielder, maybe in baseball, in defensive runs saved with 10. And even though he was making, you know, some errors, we kind of talked about before that he's also making plays that other baseball players just don't make. So if he's making a couple errors here and there, believe me, he'll make up for it. And we said, Chris, if he was anything more than a league average hitter, that contract is a it's a bonus on that contract because his defense is always going to be so good.
0: You know, one of the other things that I find really interesting looking at the Pirates right now, as they sit. first of all, uh, everybody's all excited about Philadelphia. They get rid of their manager. Girardi's gone and uh, they're starting to win. But they're they're sitting in the same boat as the Pirates, four and a half out of that last wild card spot. I think they have a much better chance. They're built to go to the playoffs. The Pirates are still trying to figure out what they're doing. But what I find really interesting when I look at the standings, and I don't normally do this, take a deep dive into Pittsburgh Pirates standings because they really don't matter when you're rebuilding your team. But the expected win-loss record for the Pirates, have you seen this? Compared to what they've seen. actually <laughs> done? Have you seen this? It's insane to me. The, the New York Mets, for example, their expected win-loss, which is based on runs scored and runs allowed. So based upon their run differential uh, essentially should be 36 and 20 and they're 37 and 19. They're just one game off of that, right? The the Milwaukee Brewers, they lead the central 31 and 25 they should be. They're 33 and 23. That's pretty close. The LA Dodgers expected to be 38 and 16 with their run differential and they're 35 and and 19. Little off, couple of games off there. The Pittsburgh Pirates 18 and 34 is what they should be with a because they have a negative 75 run differential and yet they're sitting only 4 games under 524 and 28 that's astounding to me it's so stark when you look at it like this is a team that looking at what they are and the way they've been blown out in games and the the struggles and and trying to put things together they should be so much worse and, and now you have some young players coming up. That, there's a reason to kind of be uh, excited and enjoy what's going on with the Pirates. I mean, they're not going to the playoffs. I'd be shocked by that. If we're sitting around in August and they're four back from the wild card, I'll start entertaining it. I'll start saying, ah, maybe. Maybe we get a little lucky here or something like that. Right now, though, that's something though that kind of stands out to me is that this team is starting to find some good things. And that's what we talked about at the beginning of the year. You got to find some pitchers. You got to find some hitters. You got to start figuring out who's playing where and who's your future and and giving it bats to guys. I mean, I love the fact they're giving it bats to Michael Chavis.
1: Yeah, Michael Chavis, Chris, has earned every right to get those at bats. Now, I may have a question as to many how many at-bats he should actually get. Just based on something that, that sticks out to me. And before the show, I was like, I knew I saw something about his splits versus right-handed pitching and left-handed pitching. Right-handed pitching, 229 batting average, 640 OPS. Not great. Left-handed pitching, 367 average. OPS, a full 400 points difference. So, I mean, I think you can kind of let that play for a little bit. So Michael Chavis can get a decent amount of playing time. It's just something to be cautionary of. Some guys have the splits like this where they just don't hit that type of pitching as well.
0: Well, here's the thing. I would keep playing him against everybody. And that's because I looked at his career stats. Now his career splits, his uh, his splits versus right-handed pitching, he's just a little off. His career 244 with a 696 OPS. That's just a little bit below average. Okay. He's if you get him to like from 696 to 720 lifetime, he's an everyday player, he's not a platoon guy. In fact, there's some guys that are in the very high sixes that teams just move down in the order and the guy plays every day, okay? So I think at this point in his career and where the Pirates are, I wouldn't platoon him because he's shown that he can do just a little bit better than what he's doing against righties, and what he's doing against lefties is amazing. And if that's the thing that comes first, right, where he's figuring it out against left-handed pitching, and if you continue to give him at-bats against everybody, and then the right-handed pitching thing comes along, and and that happens a lot with players. If If you look at, like, pick a player that's really good in baseball go back and look at their splits in their career. A lot of times what you'll see them do is they'll figure it out against the opposite handed pitcher. If they're a righty, they they figure it out against the left handed pitcher or vice versa, but they figure it out against one type of pitcher first. And if they continue to get at bats against the other one, sometimes they catch back up and then they're good against everybody. Right? So at this point where the pirates are not really in contention and trying to find those guys that are long-term answers, If he can keep up what he's doing against lefties and it somehow translates just to get that OPS, that career OPS of 696 against righties up. If he comes up, then that's a big, big thing for the Pirates. You've got something there at that point. Okay, you've got something there. You got something long term. You got something good. You got something solid in the middle of your lineup. You're happy with that. So, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't platoon him right now because he's pretty close to what his career numbers are against righties. It's not it's not atrocious and let's see if he can figure it out now that he's figured out left-handed uh pitching because he's killing that for the first time ever in his career.
1: Yeah, and he's a guy, Chris, that like I said, he it was just something to note. I I I generally think he should be playing every day. I don't know if it he's a first baseman for his career standing at, you know, 5'10 uh just a little bit, you know, taller than me. But you'll find a spot for him and and for right now he's honestly the best option you have at first base. Ben Gamble they had been given some, you know, reps to before the games to to see if he could get back into first base. You know, Josh Van Meter was terrible over there. Yoshi's terrible over there. Yoshi also wasn't hitting Van Meter for as much as I dragged him through the mud. He, he he hit for a little bit uh, going into his IL stint. But once again, overall, like for the season, his numbers were right where, you know, you would expect them to be for his career. So, and those guys, guess what? These are professional baseball players. Even the worst players have hot streaks. and And this is just an example. Van Meter... You know, if he could figure something out and he could be a utility guy for the Pirates, great. But for the most part, once a guy gets so many at-bats and we went over this when, you know, <laughs> a million times, Chris, you know, before he came to the Pirates, his best season was a 237 hitter with 8 home runs in Cincinnati for his his rookie year. And Last year, as a regular player for the Diamondbacks, he was at a 212 average, 651 OPS. Right now, he's at a 214 average, 638 OPS. I mean, he's still 27. Could he figure out something? Yes, but I don't, like I said, as long as nobody's blocking anyone, and, and the big person that people are going to talk about blocking is Ono Cruz, but unless you're like not completely holding up a bunch of players. Believe me, on a team like this, you're playing the young guys. You're trying to give these veterans, uh, quote unquote veterans, some time. See if they, you know, could find something here that they didn't find, and then you move on. We said it a couple weeks ago. Yoshi, but doesn't work out, you sign him for one year. Chris's boy, Daniel Vogelback, who he he never seems to mention when when he's giving out stats. That, that he looks over him when he's going out of OPS pluses. Cause I don't
0: know if you did, Chris, no, I know I, I almost forgot him, but I got him in there. I said, okay, I'm, I'm just,
1: I'm just joking. I, and that's for, you know, our, our little quote unquote side bet there that, you know, we can bump back to, to July at this point, I'll, I'll give you till July,
0: you know, and that's really funny because maybe a couple of weeks ago you were tell you didn't even want the bet. Cause Brian Reynolds was starting to hit and Vogelbeck yeah. was falling off. Now, all of a sudden, Reynolds hasn't caught Vogelbeck statistically, uh, offensively, and now you want the bet back on? I mean, you gotta you gotta pick a lane here, big guy. It's just funny, and Vogelbeck actually went on the
1: DL for, you know, 10 days or his average was starting to, to nosedive at that point in time, but it's trying to find these guys that matters, and the title of our show a couple weeks ago was, you know, play the young kids, and and that's what I want to see happening. You know, we have Ronzi Contreras coming up and, and pitching really well in a game that, you know, Jack Sawinski ends up walking off. Cal Mitchell getting his first home run yesterday. Uh, you said Tucapito Marcano coming up. And it just this tiny little guy, you know, taking it to the Dodgers. I mean, Chris, we swept the Dodgers, for God's sake. But just have fun with that. Yeah. And. And just have fun with watching some of these guys play and hoping that at some point in time, Charrington will be like, you know what? Yeah, we'll move on from these guys. As soon as the injury started popping up, it's like, you yeah, know, we're going to give Kyle Mitchell a shot. We're going to give Jack Swinski a shot. Now we're going to give Travis Swaggerty a shot. So, I mean, he's doing something definitely a lot different, and it's making it at least exciting to a degree. I mean, of course you want to win. We have a decent record right now, but it's also about you know, figuring out, out of these three outfielders in Swinsky, in Mitchell, in Swaggerty, who I guess was late for the plane and, and couldn't make it to his debut, debut on Sunday. But figuring out if you have one. Or two of those guys that can either be trade chips, I hate to say that, or one of your starting outfielders. Because if you have three guys that are performing pretty well at the major league level and a team comes calling, that's when you start to, at some point, make those steps going towards
0: bringing in players mm-hmm while sending players out you're you're ahead of yourself though we're way ahead of of yourself you're way ahead of yourself first we got to get to a point where it's a lineup that makes sense like like I would be happy to have the right people healthy to watch an infield that's got Chavis at first base Marcano at the at second base put O'Neal Cruz when he gets up here at shortstop and Brian Hayes at at third like I want to see that like then I would start saying okay I have four, in my mind, competent players in those positions, knock them out of their starting role, right? Like when you get to that point, then you can start having those conversations. And that's if the guys who are, who are showing in small sample sizes that they can actually do something if they continue that throughout the entire year, then you could start getting a little bit excited. Your outfield right now is just filled with 220 hitters. For all the excitement. That's that's what your outfield is filled with right now. So you need you need to find a lot out there and you need to see things click and you need to see them click over a long period of time. But I'm starting to see an infield shaping that probably isn't even your infield in two years, but would be a competitive everyday lineup infield. Like I'm not concerned about Chavis like playing first base. I know you're worried that he's short, right? He's actually a very positive impact in terms of runs saved at first base and second base in his career. When he plays other places, he's average to below average. But when you look at his defensive metrics, he's a plus for your team at first or second. And I think they have so many middle infielders that they want to get a look at. That's why he's standing at first. You know, uh, Satsugo, his time is numbered. He's a 30-year-old player that gave you a couple of good weeks and he's a journeyman that bounced all over the place and he showed up here and he couldn't duplicate it and he's hitting 177 over 113 at-bats with a 538 OPS and a 56 OPS+. plus. That's how below average he is. I mean, you could fire him into the sun tomorrow and I'd be fine with it as long as Michael Chavis is playing well and he's giving you plus defense and he's hitting, he's killing lefties and he's just a hair below average against right-handed bats. How, how many guys would you take? If I could ascribe that player to you two years ago, you'd be like, where do we get that guy? Because we don't have any of those, right? So I'd be perfectly fine with having him stand at first base the rest of the year. Are you or someone you know looking to learn how to play a musical instrument this year? Then you should be checking out Westgate Music School. Private music lessons for all instruments including guitar, piano, drums, voice, bass guitar, violin, banjo, ukulele, and more. Are you a vocalist? Are you ready to play a musical instrument and looking to join a group? Westgate Music School offers group classes for rock band, acapella vocal, and barbershaft quartet plus it's all online that's right from anywhere in the country you can learn any instrument you want with westgate music school gift certificates for westgate are also available more information westgatemusicschool.com a, a lot of people are
1: saying you know the the big debate now is ono Cruz, shortstop or not shortstop he's had like you know 15 airs on place for on pace for 50 plus airs at, at shortstop but It's always been the bat for him. If the bat plays, you will find a spot for him, and he's athletic enough. That's not stuff that really needs to be worried about. At this point in time, I mean, you went from having a plethora of middle infielders, now you have Marcano and Castillo, and then you've got a bunch of guys in the outfield now that need to get at bats. Ono Cruz, we all knew he was going to be up here at some point this year, I mean, it's a given. It's going to happen. He's actually been hitting well for the month of May. Ben Charrington's, you know, dream came true that he absolutely struggled for the first month of the season. So it looked like, oh, that's the reason, you know, why we kept him down. Do you
0: think that they really care about that, though? Do you really think that Major League Baseball GMs worry about your opinion about why they're keeping a guy down? I mean, it was so it was so blatant how the Cubs did it to Chris Bryant years ago, which became a major bone of contention that they were still complaining and moaning about it during the lockout. It was like an actual thing that you were hearing about the, the, the whole Chris Bryant thing where they kept him down, even though he was doing great down in the minors. And the Cubs still didn't care. The teams do this all the time. That's that's the actual rule. I mean, they've changed things to try to motivate teams not to do it, but they're not breaking a rule by doing it. If I were a GM, I could care less what everybody's opinion was if I kept the guy down to get him past a certain date so I had another year of control. If that's what I want to do, I'm perfectly within my right to do it because that's what was collectively bargained and agreed upon. So, I mean, like, I always, I never get that. Like, I don't think that Ben Charrington sits in his office and goes, well, thank God O'Neill Cruz is doing terrible here in the first month. <laughs> now, now I don't have to answer tough questions. I think he'd rather him have hit 350 in the first month and pressed the issue. Right? I think that's what he would have rather. If you would have asked him at any point, you could ask him right now. He would tell you, no, I would have rather he would have just hit 350 out of the gate, Craig. That's, that's what I would have rather he done. I'm not really concerned about those that whine and moan on Twitter.
1: He's getting held down anyway, and it's, it's almost like tongue-in-cheek and in saying that it's, it's, it's Ben Sherrington's dream. But, you know, he, hit, he did hit 176 in the first month uh, with one home run. Since that time, the pace has picked up exponentially. That's because I
0: traded him off my fantasy baseball team. You know that's why it is. Is because I traded him. I, oh, my I, God, I, I Chris, I him. forgot about that. Remember, I dealt him. I mean, I picked up a good player in return. I, I, I did well in the deal that I made. OK, I mean, I didn't get a slouch back. I, I got another great prospect and I just basically swapped big time prospects that are going to be in the majors very, very soon. So it didn't bother me at all to make the move that I made. And at the time he was struggling, I was like, all right, I don't just just go get this other guy. I don't even remember what the deal was for, but I, I I think it's somebody that's already up in the majors right now. That's like one of these prospects that came off the list in the last couple of days off the MLB top 100 because they're doing well and they're sticking. So I, I, I made that move. It was for the guy down in uh, Arizona. W- what's his name? Ale- Alec Thomas. Yeah. He came up and he's hitting 350 to begin and he's been up there for now for like four weeks. I don't regret that move at all on my fantasy baseball team. But it's like the moment I made that deal, because I was like, I'm going to take this guy that's making it to the majors because Cruz is having a terrible first month. And, you know, I'll, I'll take a prospect that I know is going to get there. And he had already proven that he was doing well. He had two really hot weeks to start off. That's just, a, you're just assuming Cruz is going to do that. I'm happy with that deal. But the moment I traded him in fantasy baseball, all of a sudden he got better. So clearly I was the problem. You were the problem. and I'm I mean, always not, the problem. And he's hitting like 257 since that point in time. No, Seven home runs. I still make that trade. He's hitting 257 for crying out loud. Yeah. I'm, I'm cutthroat in fantasy baseball. That's why you're 0-8 right now, and I'm in the playoff picture again. <laughs> That's why I have four championships in five years in this league. All right, I'm cutthroat and you're still waiting. You love prospects so much. I'm telling you, I got to tell people this. I know I'm interrupting the show to talk about it. Craig has been running this fantasy baseball team for years. He loves prospects so much. He's got an entire team full of prospects in a dynasty league. Like at some point, he's got to deal some of these guys and he's got to actually find real major league baseball players because he's been in a perpetual rebuild longer than Ben Charrington. I mean, like you—he makes fun of Ben Cherrington's rebuilds. The guy hasn't won a game yet this year in eight weeks of fantasy baseball, but he's got a hell of a team built for 2025 in a fantasy league, right? I mean, he's in love with prospects, and then he comes on this show and he goes, "Oh, Ben Cherry, he's got to figure out this rebuild. You got to figure out your rebuild, big guy." I do. <laughs> and, and this shit,
1: this week—I mean, it just happened. Wander Franco and and Gene Segura both go on the the IL after the week starts. Not that that would have helped me whatsoever at any point in time to win. But, you know, it is what it is. That's why I I hate Ben Charrington. I look in the mirror and I look at my fantasy baseball GM self, and I hate myself for that. So I would just hate on Ben Charrington for for the decisions that he makes. But I actually kind of like what Ben's doing. It's just a slower process. I
0: definitely need to speed up my process. Yeah, you need to speed up your process, big guy. I mean, you got some talent on this team. You got some talent, then you got just a bunch of prospects. You got an incredible prospect. He's got so many pirates on his team, too. He's got pirates and high-ranked prospects and he's just he's waiting. When the Pirates break through, your fantasy baseball team will start to break through. You're sitting around waiting on Quinn Priester to be an ace on your staff. You're just sitting on him. I'm waiting for Quim- Quinn
1: Priester to get off the IL cuz he's been on the IL the entire season. <laughs>
0: It's our whole team. Nick Gonzalez has got to get here to help you at second base. You're going to be waiting for like another two years. And he hurt his heel and he's on the I.L. Yeah. Yeah, I should just trade everybody. <laughs> trade them to me. I won't rip you off.
1: <laughs> now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say, one thing but then the next day.